You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at this is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Undead Walking Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Undead Walking Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and this week's episode is going to be very special. I have a very exclusive, very fun interview with Fear the Walking Dead executive producer and director of the season premiere, uh, Michael E. Satrazimus, and we had a very fun conversation about what it took bringing this episode to life and what's going on across the Fear the Walking Dead universe. And there's a little bit of everything in this interview. We talk about the Walking Dead. We talk about, um, you know, Alicia going behind the, the, the camera to direct, um, you know, working with Coleman in these scenes. There's, there's so much in this, in this interview, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. There's, uh, it feels like it really feels like there's a lot going on across the walking dead universe right now. And, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but, and I know we've, we've kind of talked about it on the podcast in the, in the past, but I actually was so confused last week trying to figure out which episode of world beyond was airing. And I had it right in front of me, but, but one of the challenges and, uh, you know, we don't talk about screeners anymore. Uh, publicly, but one of the things that's that I've noticed, it's not so much about screeners it, having access to screeners because again, the access to screeners is about doing your job, not to you know brag about having screeners, but uh, you know it's supposed to be a tool, and so they send them to you in advance so that you can you know do your research and, and watch the episodes before interviews and and get your get your stuff ready. But what I'm noticing is that between the linear air date on AMC and the episodes being available on AMC plus a week early and then getting the screeners sometimes two weeks early, it makes it really hard to remember what episode is coming. And so last week I was completely convinced that it was supposed to be the second episode of World Beyond. And I had this huge sense of deja vu when I was writing about it. And I realized that I'd already written about it. I'd already done the coverage for that episode and that it was episode 203. It's so weird. And so, yeah, I got caught up in that. And it's uh, it's something that I, I feel like 
the confusion is just going to keep coming. Um, I love having two episodes on. I love having two, two shows to watch, but it's a little much. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a little much in the sense that it's hard to keep track of. It's not much because like, oh my God, Sunday nights are so cool. You have, you have Fear the Walking Dead. Now you have World Beyond and then you have Talking Dead. There's just, there's so much to look forward to, but it is, it's a little bit, it's a lot to manage. So it's, uh, I just wanted to, to say that I thought that was really funny because I was so, so confused. And what it all boiled down to is I hadn't watched 203 yet, even though I already had it. And so, um, God, in fact, just, it's just funny. Like now I have, I think I have 205. And I already have 204, but I haven't watched 204 or 205 because I'm still processing 203. And so it, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to talk about. But it's actually a perfect segue to my conversation with Mikey because we were kind of laughing about that. And we were talking about how they're keeping track of all of these elements in Fear the Walking Dead because now they have to think about things like, you know, the blast zones and where the missiles landed and where the characters are relative to where the blast zones were and how weather patterns are affecting the levels of radiation in the air. There's so many things to keep track of in this in this new universe that they've created. And it's really fascinating to hear how those things all come together. Now, this interview um, is actually going to pair really well with an interview I did. It's going to be a written interview that you'll be able to see over on Hidden Remote that, uh, that I did with the showrunners, Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. And they talk about the same thing about how they keep track of all of these things and um you know the, the rules that they've created so that they're making sure that they're doing this as authentically as possible and i think that's a really interesting point because when you think about fear the walking dead and anything in the the walking dead universe obviously we don't live in a zombie apocalypse so zombies are not a real thing bath salts aside but um you know, we have been through this pandemic, so we understand what it's like to be afraid of a of a unseen threat that's you know that's, that's challenging us and, and keeping us you know kind of locked inside. So, so there are parallels to real life things, but the thing that's really interesting about the Fear the Walking Dead story that I'm really fascinated by is the fact that that we know what nuclear detonations can do. Um, you know, not only because we've used them in a practical sense during World War II, but, you know, the testing that went into these things uh, long after World War II. I mean, they used to set these these nuclear bombs off in the middle of the Nevada desert and probably, I think, in, in New Mexico, too. I mean, there, there's a history of these things being detonated in the United States and across the world as, as other countries came into, uh, you know, their own nuclear eras. And so... There is evidence, uh, you know, and, and there is there is uh, research that has been done on what the impact of, of nuclear fallout is. And so when you watch these scenes, they are steeped in fact, and it's not, you know, it's not fake. I mean, they, they certainly didn't, uh, they didn't make this up. And I think that's a really important thing. Um after this week's episode, so after episode seven hundred two, I have uh, I will be have I will be premiering an, uh, an interview that I did with Lenny James and Karen David about this episode. And one of the things that Lenny said that I think is really fascinating is that 
um, you know, he went to Andrew and Ian when they said they had this idea. And he said, look, like, if we're going to do this, we need to do it. Like, we need to, to do it to the fullest extent of our ability. And they said, don't worry, like, we are going to do it. And he said he's just been blown away by by the level of realism in these episodes. So, you know, it is something that I think is is really important to talk about because I, I think as um, I think one of my pet peeves is that, you know, I was a history major, a history and political science major in um, in college, but I, I really appreciate history. I appreciate the lessons that we learn from history, and I am a, a history nerd, so I studied a lot of this stuff. You know, the, I did all of the recommended reading, I guess you could say. Um, I was that person in school, so if, if the teacher said, like, here's what you have to read and here's what you should read, I did all of that, and I, I I'm glad for it because now I have this really interesting insight into these, you know, into these scenarios. And what you see with with fear is that they are doing everything they can to make this as real as possible. And so when you see, you know, the way they decontaminate and the way that there are areas that they can breathe and other areas they can't, that's all steeped in fact because it has to do with the distance from where bombs went off. And so if you have things like Geiger counters, you can tell how, you know, how safe the area is. And, you know, there, there's, so there's all these little things. And I, I, I worry that those things are going to be lost because people will say, oh, this isn't realistic, but they won't really know because they haven't, they don't really know. I mean, it's, you have to kind of know these things, but anyway, I think that's, I, I think it's just really impressive how deep into this, this mythology they're going and, and how they're creating this really interesting but really visually stunning new world i mean this is this is the most barren apocalypse you can possibly imagine and seeing the walkers with their skin you know basically everything ripped off i mean they you don't even know what gender the walkers are anymore they've become genderless beings because their skins melted off and in some cases i mean that's what makes them so so utterly terrifying really is that these walkers are you know, they suffer the consequences of the fallout, but they're not dead because of it. So they can keep going. And in doing so, they can make an area contaminated because they're bringing the fallout with them. So it's a really interesting way of making the walkers, you know, which have become these, in a lot of ways, they've, they've kind of become the secondary threat in the apocalypse because, you know, they've gotten used to them after 10 years. But, you know, now, I mean, you have to be really careful. So if you see a, a walker, I mean, this, this goes back to, you know, Grace's story in season five. I mean, you, you definitely have to be aware of where these walkers have been because they can bring with them all of the contamination. And if they are in an area where you're trying to catch food then or, or find food, then they're going to contaminate everything. So it, it, it really changes. It changes everything that we know and everything that we've been doing um, in a really interesting way. So we're going to, my conversation with Mikey, you'll hear all of these, these things and the things that they're taking into consideration. Cause I think it's a really fascinating approach to doing something different. Now, obviously fear, the season premiere of fear, of the walking dead, there is an absolute, we, we cannot go on without talking about Coleman Domingo I and mean, what a performance Coleman Domingo gave in this, this season premiere, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, Coleman has been on the show since the beginning. And it's funny to think that 
a lot of actors will leave shows because they feel like their characters are in a rut and they're doing the same thing over and over and they want to have some kind of challenge with their roles. And so they look for different roles. And in Coleman's case, he's been blessed by the fact that Strand is the one who changes. And so he's been able to stay in this role and play different variations of the same character where he starts as a con man and then he you know warms up to the idea of having certain people in his circles and he still doesn't trust other people and then he double crosses people and he ends up double crossing people he loves and then he tries to do the right thing and realizes that's not working and now he's in this position where he has power he has authority he has a life of luxury in the middle of of the barren wasteland of the apocalypse so you have a guy who really he's he's come full circle but this may be the most authentic version of himself that we've ever seen it's hard to tell because he's such a chameleon he he really blends into the background on um you know on on so many of these these seasons where he goes along with it but you know i mean look look back to season 4 they were living the life in the the ballpark but Coleman but Strand still had this you know, this backup plan, he had supplies that he was sneaking away to make sure that if something went, went wrong, he would have these supplies. And that really speaks to, you know, to who he is. And so you really see that come out. And I, I think that's such a fascinating um, portrayal and, and to see Coleman in, in his element, being able to be this refined gentleman, you know, a gentleman scholar in the middle of all of these works of art that have been preserved for, you know, for all time. But then to also see his, you know, he does obviously care about Alicia because he's, he's still thinking about her, but he's also utterly ruthless. I mean, this is a guy who looked this man in the face and was like, you know, you're going to have to go. And then, you know, I didn't put this beacon up for, for her, I, I put it up as a message to keep her away. And then he throws the guy off the roof and, and talks to him while he's falling. Like the guy's falling to his death and he's shouting to him like it's no big deal. I mean, it's it's just so brilliant and so uh, so utterly intriguing to think of how, the, how Strand has evolved on this journey. Where is it going to go? Is there any sense or, or chance of redemption for his character? I mean, can he come back from this or is he the new villain? Um, you know, I think about uh, rumors that Madison was supposed to be the villain, uh, you know, coming out of season three, that that was that was kind of a plan that was in place. And it never made sense to me. Honestly, I, I never understood why people thought that would be a good idea or how you would ever see Madison become a dark character. Uh, you know, based on who she is. I just, it never really made sense. But Strand is perfect because he can play all of these different roles to the extent that you're you're talking to him and you think that he's kind of on your side until he, he throws you off a roof. I mean, he's brilliant. He is, he's a brilliant character. And I think that Coleman Domingo is such the perfect actor to bring him to life because he just leans into everything good strand, bad strand, con artist strand, uh, you know, evil strand, um, gentleman strand The you know, I, I can just, I, I just see him, you know, with these, these fine, 
you know, a fine wine and a, a nice drink. And he's just, you know, he's, he's carrying around a sword because why not? Like I can have a sword now. I can be this gentleman, you know, living in the apocalypse and ruling over these people and keeping them safe. And I don't know, it's just, it's such a cool thing. And, uh, I, I'm really excited about the direction of the season. And, um, so with that, I'm going to jump over to this interview with, uh, with Mikey and you'll kind of see, you know, where they're going and, and hear his thoughts about how this all comes together and, and how this episode comes together, you know, how it spins out into the, the larger season seven arc that's coming. Um, but there's a lot of reason to be excited and I, and I'm really excited that, uh, that you'll have a chance to listen to this interview because it's, it's, it really gives some really good insights. So here it is my interview with Michael E. Satrazimus, the executive producer of Fear the Walking Dead and the director of both 701 and 702. And what you'll notice is that we kind of come in on a conversation and that's because I had to edit out a bunch of stuff that was a little too spoilery so we couldn't uh, we couldn't include that. So we're kind of coming in on, in the middle of a conversation and we were talking about how uh, people try to guess what's going to happen based on photos and things that have been released and so that's kind of where we're picking up in this conversation. It's funny cuz I was having a conversation with someone yesterday for the for the podcast we were talking about how I I don't know how much of of The Walking Dead 11A you've watched. But the interesting thing is that they had four stories that were kind of moving together throughout the eight episodes. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how the only, like the most, I don't want to say the most cohesive episode, but the one that had like the, you know, was kind of the most focused and, and the most anthology that had the most anthology feel to it was the one with uh, Lauren Ridloff, which is just a beautiful episode that, that Greg Nicotero did. But we were talking about how the anthology format that you guys are doing would have been so cool in with these four stories because you know we had to jump around so much and so it felt like we never got to spend enough time you know in the commonwealth or with the reapers because each episode kind of bounced around a lot and i said you know that you really looking at 701 you really see the value of being able to just focus on a story yeah, I mean, I think, you know, listen, you know, Ian Goldberg and, and Andrew Chambliss, the, the, when they decided to move into this kind of format, uh, I think it's, it's, it was really exciting. It allows you to, it allows you to make films and allows you to take deep character dives. It allows you to bring other characters, other rich characters in mm -hmm. and kill them or keep them or whatever you do with them. But, you know, it really... It just, it, it allows you to peel everything off and isolate somebody. I think it, it, you know, I mean, as a filmmaker, it allows you to treat them as films mm -hmm. and you get to complete them and shoot them and have the, all the elegance and transitions and all, you know, just really kind of craft it. Um, as opposed to a lot of times, if you have an episode where you have five stories and, you know, it, it becomes truncated and choppy and, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it, it is inherently, you know, difficult to to kind of keep all those things alive and i feel like they don't you know you don't i'm not saying you cheapen anything but it is really hard to keep all of those stories rich when you only get to visit them for a very short time and right this, uh, this format really lets us just take a deep dive into each character and it's i mean it's just it's very rewarding i love it yeah and you know you really it really shows the difference between watching you know when you if you take 11A as a whole, 
you know, as eight episodes, it works, but episode by episode, this format just is just so, so rewarding. And, you know, to allow, because when I think of 701, you know, and, you know, 702, but 701 specifically, because that's, that's what we're talking about. But the, uh, you know, when I think about that episode, where you were able to go in one episode is just, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you had multiple stories that you had to tell. There was so many, there was so much richness, you know, and being able to go to these different locations and kind of stay there for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if you, if you, if we were doing it in any other format, we wouldn't have been able to open the season on a character that we don't know. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the great part of, of doing the life in the, in the day of, you know, it's a nuclear survivor, unknown nuclear survivor is that we really, we were able to kind of show the entire gamut of the new nuclear apocalypse. I mean, the big, the big deal for 701 and really this whole season was once that bomb was dropped, we were going to reinvent everything and, mm -hmm. uh, from, from top to bottom. We were, we, it was the goal, you know, wardrobe, the texture of the earth, the color of day, the color of night. We changed everything, you know, um, keeping the radiation story alive, limited sight distances, the sound design through breathing through masks, the, you know, and really paint how difficult we thought the apocalypse used to be and how difficult the new apocalypse really is you know the, everyone kind of had it pretty good before those bombs in, compa yeah. in comparison you know uh you know. so it's the the nuclear apocalypse is you know is just horrifying in just a day-to-day -day survival kind of way and, and i think mm -hmm. uh having these deep dives you know we can really establish um the us and the them, you know, being, you know, strands on the proper side of, you know, the grass is truly greener where, mm -hmm. where a strand is and, and, uh, and then showing, showing what it's like for, for an ordinary person to trying to survive. Absolutely. So what were the rules? I mean, this episode just visually is just so stunning because you have all of these different locations and you have all of these, these elements to it, you know, plus the new look and plus the, um, you know, the new walkers, there's, you know, there's so many new elements to this. A lot of new I, I know, which is, it's so great. That was when I saw that one walker, I thought this is just the coolest thing ever because you can just come do whatever you want and no one's going to know. I mean, it's, it's like the great equalizer with gender, you know, if you get hit by <laughs> nuclear radiation, yes, like this is it. it's you the future. Yeah. <laughs> you're just kind of a skin bag at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, all those things will unfold. I mean, there was, I think, a lot of things laced into the first episode that will, that will be revealed mm -hmm. as we keep going. Um, you know, as far as what we were going to do, those were a lot of discussions we had before the end of last season, before the end of season six, about once that bomb goes off, what we want to paint, and we were we were even looking into you know the LED kind of Mandalorian walls. Just it's it's very hard to create a nuclear apocalypse in spring in Austin. It's just it's just not 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 the not the right not the right not the right time. Um, you know, uh, so you know that wasteland. So we, you know we we really wanted to talk about changing everything. You know, a lot of things were to get away from green in case mm -hmm. we saw it. So we talked about 
you know, day being kind of this, you know, orange, you know, and then we had to, you know, this orange hue, you know, smoky site where you can't see anything. And we had to talk about the zones and separate what we thought, you know, blast zone and then still radiation zone and, um, you know, kind of intermediate zones and then talked about the colors and broke them down when we got, we got two new cameramen in and, uh, you know, we went through some tests with them. Uh, definitely wanted to change night from, you know, blue because it just kind of extension or white accentuates all the greens. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so we've wanted to find, uh, you know, kind of these toxic tones to kind of keep the radiation story alive. So it wasn't always a, a Geiger counter and the sound that was allowing us, you know, I mean, it's a pretty visual medium. So if we always felt that the, it was possibly in the air and, uh, you know, as soon as you put the gas masks and all this amazing new wardrobe on everybody, it, it did marry right into that, you know, kind of toxic wasteland. And then, and it was about finding these, these large, you know, areas of that we could shoot, you know, and uh, we found some places where they take buildings after they're been wrecking balled and destroyed and we use them as wasteland and we, we got very creative um, our effects department you know we upped the game by triple what they did none of that is the effects it is all practical I mean it was you know oh, dust, wow. dust cannons and smoke bombs and all of these things that you can breathe that aren't dangerous and and uh and we would you know had an, a major department a little army and they would set these things off and we let them spread out and and blot out the sun and then shoot and uh so it was quite an orchestration to to get it done um but it's so rich and so beautiful and, and uh you know it's just in that kind of haunting absolutely and you know and it's funny because uh so i was talking with someone yesterday about the new the new episode of creep show that's out and there's a story in it that's kind of an apocalyptic uh plague story and one of the things that was so striking about it is that the sky is yellow and that's just you know they don't explain why but it's just to kind of highlight the fact that the world is is going falling apart and it's so interesting to me you know in watching 701 and in watching what you're doing with the season and then thinking of that it's one of those things kind of like a pandemic you know where you don't think of those things becoming real but you know certainly with the the fire the wildfires and you know like we've and pollution and things like now we've seen like that's that's actually something that people have encountered and experienced and it's so you know it's one of those things that make these shows and, and the stories that you're telling you know, it gives them that extra edge because there is that 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 element of realism there you know even though it's not nuclear yeah. but you know certainly you can watch footage of what happens when you ignite a nuclear bomb because that yeah. exists when when will walks through the uh the forest that's on fire that was an actual forest fire that had just happened recently and we were watching it. And uh, once we knew that, you know, no property had been damaged and that nobody had been hurt in trying to put it out, but I had all the location team, you know, guy, Logan Cooper, he was like, Mikey, I can't go out there until they put the fire out. And I was like, all right, just let me know when they put the fire out. And I was reading articles every day to see, you know, just to make sure nothing horrible had happened. And, uh, but I was, you know, was excited to be able to have that then to shoot in. And, and obviously because all those trees were charred, we could put fire bars on them and, and kind of re, well, we didn't reignite them, but, you know, put, put our, our fire, our safe, mm -hmm. safe fire. 
uh, in it and get him to walk and get him to walk through, which I think, you know, was amazing, you know, but we just kind of lucked into that kind of, of a uh, set piece, you know, like you, you, it was a natural devastation that we took a little bit of advantage of in, the, in our nuclear apocalypse, <laughs> you know, which really played out amazing because, you, you know, you just can't get that anywhere. You can't create that. And to think that you're doing it on this level, you know, you normally you see things like that in a big feature film and, you know, you think of the effects and everything that, that goes into creating these looks on, you know, like say Dune or something, you know, something on that scale. But what your team has done on this scale to bring it, you know, in a television series is just in, insane that you can, you can bring that level and bring that realism. And I think that, um, that was something that Lenny said when I talked to Lenny last week, he said that, you know, he went to Andrew and Ian and said, like, if we're going to do this, we have to, we have to do it. You know, we have to, if we're going to ignite nuclear weapons. Like, you know, we need to have, it needs to look real. And he, he was like, I was absolutely stunned at the way that turned out. And it's, you know, it's a testament to what, what the team has done. Yeah. We just have amazing people. I mean, Frankie Iudica and Scott Rourke are, you know, our effects guys, they they have grown into, you know, probably doing a bigger work than anybody is on TV and half the features, you know, it's uh, a product of a successful show that has to keep outdoing itself every, every season, we have to find ways to, to raise the bar. And I think, you know, a nuclear apocalypse is, is a really great opportunity. I mean, that gave us an opportunity on top to bottom to to you know, rewrite the apocalypse. If you look what you know, Zuretta Schultz, our costume designer, did this season with all the different groups and the radiation, and you know, and Colin Thurston, our prop master, you know, the, the masks and everything, really, you know, dedicating to making this tight. You know, if we're going to go go into this nuclear survival kind of area, you you, you know, you really you've got to you've got to buy into it a hundred percent in every department, top to bottom, and and uh, you know. I think everybody, you know, everyone took the challenge. It was very tough to do this, you know. I mean, to do our normal show is very tough to try to reinvent and and on this level where we've really upped the scale. Um, you know, we always shoot big and, and wide and and uh, you know and try to paint the apocalypse within every corner of frame. But uh, I think this this season, you know, like we we went nuclear apocalypse in every corner of frame, and that was an amazing amount of. Bernardo uh, Trujillo, our production designer. If you look underneath that bridge, that I mean, like some of the set pieces, it's just it's stunning. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's images that we shot that I want as as big in two by threes framed in my house. I just haven't gotten around to it because still not stopped working. But one day. One day <laughs> oh, I I'm love gonna, it. Yeah. I love it. And I think what's so interesting is the contrast, um, you know, particularly in the, in the season premiere of, you know, this, this vast nuclear wasteland. And then you go in and Strand has this oasis that's full of just the, you know, the priceless treasures. And I can only imagine the props people coming up with this, you know, I mean, just being able to find these things because it's just, it's so, it's so over the top, but so perfectly Strand that he ended up in that you know, in, in that warehouse with Howard, just, you know, chilling with yeah. the, 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 the finest of things. And I think, well, I, th- I think, I think for him, that's the, the perfect setting, you know, to, to, uh, to build a new, a new strand, 
You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think if I watched a nuclear bomb go off um, and then realized I was the last man standing in a fortress uh, building with all of those goods, I'd probably think I was, you know, the new chosen one, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think, it, you know, it's probably a, a, re a reinvention of the character. I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, it is. Yeah. You know, and we'll see, see where it goes. Um, I think it know, must I mean, be 702 fun. was the, the cool thing about that was was that was like our night exploration you know we had you know just even in in change of style you know 702 gave us those weird toxic nights and right I think that was you know that was fun to to do and because it, it really does it feels like each you know I mean I've only seen the two but the the shift you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that you had to consider the blast pattern and, you know, what's going on in different areas. So even within the season, there are different, you know, different elements of, you know, where the apocalypse hit harder and where you have to, you know, and, and how that changes the look, which makes it, you know, like a completely different show from week to week, just because you have to think of those things. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we, at the very beginning of the season, you know, nine of the 10, um, warheads went off. So we tried to map out where we thought they landed, the blast zones, you know, then the multiple radiation zones that would echo out from there, where they overlapped and, you know, and tried to, tried to just for us as creators so that we could kind of pin down where things were and where people were and, and where blast zones would be and where there might be a safe zone and and things like that, and uh, it, it that one alone took took a while to kind of you know figure it out, and then just and then really define. It's important to define all of those places, and uh, you know by look, by you know mask on, mask off, but you know because some irradiated areas, um, you know, ne not necessarily are are hot, just because it depends on the particles and depends on the way the wind shifted and. You know, that's why you can check with the Geiger counter and take your mask off, you know, in some places that it's not, you know, and then there's some places every step you take, you know, you're, you're acquiring things and you're going to need to, you know, to set up a, a, you know, an area to kind of take out all your outer layers and, you know, and, uh, and have them sterilized or cleaned and reset so, so that you can keep doing it, you know, and uh, I think it, you know, it was neat math, but it did require a lot of thinking it's a lot extra a lot extra work and, and good but but you know but very enriching to the story oh yeah you know it's funny because i'm i'm thinking i have uh i have an early copy of the the art of the walking dead universe that's coming out and it's a beautiful book it is but i have to i i, I have to hope that these notes and these maps and things make it into the next book because these are the kinds of things that as a fan I would love to see how you came up, you know, like what that even looks like, because I mean, those are, it's like the, the I think there was a drawing in the, the production office when we were there a couple of years ago, like of, of the ballpark and these yeah. renderings. And you think of these, you know, the, how these things came to life and, you know, how you took a, a normal ballpark and made it into this, this little community. I mean, these are the things that are just, you know, the, in, in the locations you've been able to work with and how you've been able to transform them. That's what, that's like, a whole elevator, you know, a whole side of the show that just makes it so special. Yeah, I mean, the renderings are particularly beautiful. I mean, we have, you know, uh, 
the maps of where the blasts go look those start looking like diaries of a of a mad a madman it looks a little bit more like we're all insane for a minute <laughs> you know, you know, we can't draw and we've scratched out over everything and you know it starts starts looking like we're you know totally insane but um you know you have to do that and we have to have a consensus and you know because we're kind of this all together we're this one organism this filmmaking organism we, you really need to define those things because at some point in time everyone has to split and run in separate directions and and you know if you're going to reinvent the show if you're going to create a nuclear apocalypse you need to define it in every iteration with all the rules in every space and every set and then break it down per script and then go through that with everybody and it was you know it's very important to do that you know at the beginning of the season and then everyone when they run we've kind of got it you know and, yeah and obviously we got to keep checking back in you know with each other and you know but uh it was it was a lot of kind of front load what are we going to do what is this going to represent how's it going to look you know and then getting back on the phone with ian and andrew and and you know going through all our definitions what we thought we could do and accomplish um i did not think that we would probably have accomplished as well as we did i was nervous about doing a, a practical nuclear apocalypse because you know when you talk about blotting out the sun with with smoke and and dust and, and yeah, like that you know you think of like what about wind and what about you know <laughs> we were just super blessed and uh and really you know with with a lot of talent and a lot of support you know frank hildebrand is, is, is immensely supportive of all the creative and uh and somehow finds a way to to get it done and uh and it was you know it, it was uh it was a major effort, you know, but uh, pretty, pretty amazing. And to think that you brought it all together in, you know, in an, ap in an apocalypse, you know, in itself in the middle of, you know, the pandemic with COVID rules and restrictions. And, you know, that says so much about, you know, again, about your team and, and just the ability, because every, every person I've talked to has said that they're, they've never felt safer on a set than on fear i mean they do you know and in, in within the walking dead universe because everything is so so careful but knowing how many people it takes to bring these things to life and to you know it takes so many people from the from the makeup to the you know to wardrobe to props to you know there's so many different elements and that you could do that and still bring this level you know this level of television to life in the yeah. middle of all of that is just is incredibly impressive yeah, it, I mean, look, the, you know, the last year and a half has been pressing on everybody, mm -hmm. you know, the whole world, and, and uh, you know, and we're not immune from any of that. We kind of, you know, finished one season, ramped up into the next season, um, which was, is this, season seven, and, and, uh, and made it much more difficult to do just inherently by, you know, by the kind of execution, but to execute on this level, you, you need everybody to really truly care to be beyond talented, you know, but like really put their heart into it. And I mm -hmm. think this is, it's a, it's a testament, you know, I mean, everyone's been in a, in a vice for forever with COVID and, you know, and uh, man, it's just seemingly a hamster wheel, um, thinking that, you know, it's going to be over and it's not. And, you know, but we've been creating together and, uh, 
and to see everybody execute on this level and care this much it's the only way what we're getting done now could be accomplished and you know it's i, I come into work and and every day i am immensely thankful of the people that i get to create with um i couldn't do anything i would just be like a weird dreamer sitting around in a room um, without <laughs> without without everybody and to you know to see things grow outside of my imagination to get larger knowing i have a very big imagination is is always really really exciting and the kind of execution that everybody has done like i mean if i could just go down a list and say all the names i mean i i got a list of you know 70 people that that you know <laughs> that, that are, are so important to the success of of, of this and you know it's i mean it, it really is a it is a, it is an example of what you can do together if everybody is really cares a lot and is super talented absolutely absolutely what's it like having been with the show for so long what's it like seeing this other side of strand because that's i mean coleman is just phenomenal but this role i feel is so i mean you think of actors taking on different projects so they can experience different types of characters, but Coleman has been able to experience about six different characters within the one character in this series. And now to see him the complete opposite of, you know, where he was in season five. I mean, yeah. just that he's just, he kills it. And I just love, I can't imagine what that must've been like seeing that transition as you're bringing that episode to life. Yeah, I mean, listen, Coleman, Coleman Domingo is a beast. He brings the truth, and he brings the truth in a in a very special and unique way. And uh, when when he's on point, when he's fired up, when he's locked in, he is something special. You know, I mean, I'm a, the director. You're kind of an emotional thief. You get these free, amazing, beautiful emotions and experiences. You don't have to wear the scar or any of the pain of any of it. And uh, uh, you know, getting to, getting to, you know, direct 616 with Coleman and, you know, which we spoke a lot about, you know, it being the epicenter of, of what, what was to come of the new character that was going to come that, that Adam splitting was going to, was also splitting inside of him mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and that he was, you know, going to, to evolve in and, and then getting to direct 701 and, and ride through that with him. I, I, it's been one of the most rewarding experiences that this last little, little run with, with Coleman. I, I love working with him. I love, you know, saying two words and watching, you know, him echo out. I love him taking risks and the chances, you know, that he takes. He's a, he is a bold filmmaker. Um, you know, he's, he is trusting and nurturing, you know, it's, it, it's amazing and then when you wind him up and let him go man he he's, he's truly something special and um you know just him and gus together gus halper plays will um that was also something just truly truly special so i'm uh super excited you know I mean, it's, oh yeah it's been amazing when i think of the talent that this cast has but also knowing you know with like to think you know coleman was the first actor to, to go behind the camera who's you know currently starring in the series and then Lenny followed and now Alicia's followed I mean that's just it, it's that must feel I mean as someone who's been doing this for for 
so long on the show to see the actors now coming behind the camera. That must be really special. It, it, it is special. I mean, to, to have all, to have any of them direct, it, it, you know, there, I have a personal relationship with everybody. We, you know, we get, we get vulnerable together, you know, and when a lot of people strip down to all of our emotions and trust each other. So I have these, these experiences with, all three of them that are, you know, they are personal and, and they become personal and they become something really important to, to me that, that we've, we've done and created together. And creation is kind of, you know, the, one of the most important things in my life, at least. And uh, to see them kind of get re-inspired, you know, to, and create, to, to be their 10-year-old self wiggling around <laughs> with pure joy and, and excitement, to watch them grow as filmmakers, you know, and really put all themselves into it, you know, even start things that initially weaken, they're getting, gaining strength in, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's fun. I don't go to set to, to help them and I go to set to just watch them. Mm-hmm. You know, I rarely watch what they're shooting. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I watch during the take and listen to it, but I, I'm, I kind of just watch them. It's just so neat to see people that you love get super excited and re-inspired and they're doing so well, you know, I mean, I, I spend all of prep with, with them because I think prep is where you shape everything and then you let them run and, and you know, they all have set experience. So inherently they're, they're there. Um, Courtney, am I allowed to talk about Alicia? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yes, Alicia's, I'm announcing she's directing. Yeah, okay, she's doing, Alicia is doing amazing. Um, she wants it. She has a, a, a beast inside her as well. Um, I think, uh, I think when, when she's done, she's gonna, you know, she's going to want more of it and mm-hmm. she's really doing fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's neat. I've been given every opportunity, you know, from, from others and I can only thank them by, by doing the same thing to, to other people. And it's, it's really rewarding when, when, people that you already have a relationship with uh you know take it and kind of start succeeding absolutely and i think that's one of the the magical things about this universe is that there is that kind of camaraderie behind the camera i mean now you have michael cudlitz who's been kind of you know he's been on world beyond and the walking dead and aisha tyler is directing you know world beyond and then she's going to be on fear and you know she's been a huge fan and you know it, it knowing that there are these opportunities to kind of grow within within the universe you know if it's, if it's not necessarily on your own show or you know while you're on your own show it's it's just it's, it's a really interesting dynamic because that's I mean that's one of my my favorite memories of of that set visit was seeing Lenny directing Coleman and Alicia and watching because I, I feel like there is that slight difference of having a peer, a fellow actor behind the camera as opposed to a director specifically. And, and it's, you can see it. And, and I feel like it just, it lends something so special to those scenes. Well, I think, I, I think, I think it is. I mean, listen, like Cudlitz, he's been a filmmaker forever. I mean, I knew that the day, his first day on set on the other side, we were talking about shots and cuts and, you know, and things like that. I, I think, you know, so, you know, we all get kind of sharpened as filmmakers in, in one way or the other and, and gain strengths just from, you know, putting the time in. I think when it's on your own set, 
you know, especially as an actor, with the other actors, you've already done really hard, vulnerable scenes. You know, I mean, you've you've really already had to lean into trusting them and giving all of your emotions to back at them. You know, I mean, you've uh, you've already done this this personal kind of dance. So when they slip into the directing slot, there's this trust that already inherently exists and uh, and a comfortability that you know that already exists. So it, it, it's it, it is. It is more often than not all been successful and always on honor shows. It, it, it has been super successful. You know, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, the downside for them is they all are starting to like it and, and, <laughs> they, you know, and they realize the amount of work that it is, you know, and yeah. but you can't, once the hook's set, you can't, can't back out. You just keep, keep wanting to do it, you know? And, oh yeah. I think all of them are going to, to want to continue directing because they've all done a fantastic job. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. And I have to think that, you know, as someone who's been with the franchise so long, does it, what's it like for you seeing that so much, some of the most amazing storytelling coming out of this universe, you know, with, with The Walking Dead, you know, some of the, the most incredible stories have been, you know, season 10, you know, season nine, season 10, season 11 fear you know it's been it's in its seventh season which blows my mind to think of how far it's come and and yet the stories just continue to get better and better and as someone who was there in the very beginning of this of this universe you know the, the big the big bang moment I guess you were there for the big bang back in 2010 and now you're here I mean it, what does that like what does that mean to you well I, I mean first off I, I didn't think that either I didn't think anything has the kind of legs to keep amazing stories going for this long, like mm -hmm. outside of this universe anywhere. I didn't think so. And, uh, and I would have left a long time ago had the stories not been consistently amazing and great. You know I mean? It is, it has always been, a, you know, like a, 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 a family thing for me. I mean, growing up on the, on the other side with the big bang, you know I mean? I remember when we didn't matter, you know, or nobody had told us that we mattered. We thought we thought we did, but you know, but like, but you know, it was long before anyone said, "This is so great. You guys are amazing." When you know, I that's one of my fondest memories, of, you know, of that time, because we were all just doing it and believed in something that you know hadn't already been verified, and you know, and uh, so it, it is very family. It is the epicenter of a lot of my success and and opportunities and uh but i would have left if stories you know hadn't hadn't been so good i, I it's surprising to me i mean not, i mean just in general and mm -hmm. it just it, it, i mean i think it's you know it's just a testament to the the wealth of of talent you know i mean you know of writing talent from you know show running talent from from all of these creators because the, you know just consistently, I keep getting very excited about the scripts, you know, even then I don't get to direct. I'm like, I get a little jealous. <laughs> like, Damn it, I wish I had that one too. You know, <laughs> I can only do so many. <laughs> but secretly, I want to direct them all. Yeah. It's not a secret anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I, I can't blame you because every single story has just been so phenomenal. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I, and it's funny too, because I'm thinking of, 
you know, that the premiere is this Sunday, but people have already seen it because, you know, if they have AMC plus. And so I've just been hearing so many, so many people have, have commented and said, oh my God, like, I just, I, I can't believe it. Like it's, it's so much better than I, you know, it's, it's either, it's, it's either blown their minds or it's better than they ever could have imagined because you can't really envision how that was going to come together. And so the feedback's just been insane because everybody's just, it's like they can't believe you actually did what you did, but you did it. Well, yeah. I listen. At the very beginning, when when I had called and confirmed for the nineteenth time that those bombs were really going to go off <laughs> and that we were going to continue shooting after it, um, yeah, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's a it's a very big task. It seems like an impossible task, I think, to to try to create a, a nuclear apocalypse at, at the scale that, you know, that we're doing um, and practically, uh, you know, so what I liked about that was that we figured that no, nobody would assume that, that everyone would just assume we would let go of it pretty early or they would just move to a safe spot and not hold on to it. So I think that's probably what's surprising is just that common sense doesn't allow you to think that on a television show you can represent a nuclear apocalypse at the at the level and scale that we're able to do it you know but uh it's just it's a testament to the the crew and the, yeah and you know and the and the immensely talented people that we have you know i mean so and uh and like i said it was still a pleasant surprise to me even as much as i don't like to have any doubt creep inside you know so that so i don't so I always go for it. Um, you know, it's hard not to not to have to consider that maybe we weren't gonna do as well as we did, um, but 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 we did. So I'm glad they're surprised. I haven't read anything, but uh, that it's nice to hear. Yeah, people, it's resonating with people. Oh, it absolutely is, and I can't wait until Sunday when it's out in the world completely. But um. I know we're I know we're running on time, so I just want to make sure I, I have one last question because we never really get to talk at this time of year. Like usually, fear is in a different time frame. But given that Halloween's coming up, any hint on what the Satrazimas family will be dressing up as this year? <laughs> I don't know why uh, that strikes me as an interesting question. I just I, I have to well, wonder what what happens yeah. when you have <laughs> well when you have a four year old. Um, well, he will be five two days before uh, Halloween. Um, he's kind of choosing things right now. So I think uh, mommy gets to be a princess unicorn, I think is what he said. I think I'm stuck with, uh, with Luigi um, because he wants to be Mario. Um, so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're not trying to get overly inventive. We're letting him kind of guide the way, um, you know. And, but uh, I, I, I don't mind staying away from total death. And you know, like I don't need to wear the skin of a walker over my face. <laughs> I do that every day for work, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, gonna, gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, we never, we never get to talk at this point at this time. So it's always, I figured might as yeah, well. Cause you yeah, know, we got the October slot, you know, yeah. it's kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that, you know, working through the summer and 
in Austin, if it gave us the October slot, I guess that's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's a great time to be on and, you know, what a time for the apocalypse. So yeah. What are yeah. you doing for Halloween? I haven't decided yet. I think, um, so I've been doing the house, getting the house ready. So more than dressing up, I think I'm more into how do I scare people and how do I figure out how to come up with something to get them up the walkway and then scare them from behind. Oh, that so that's what cool. I'm kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what people need. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 You could be it a giant matter. COVID virus and yeah. just jump out at them. <laughs> that's true. I yeah. should try to drop something that's uh, <laughs> my mom used to do. My mom was a huge, was huge into scaring people. And one year she had this giant six foot spider and she had my dad connected to a fishing reel. And he was up in like upstairs, you know, and took out the window so that he could, you know, be up in the window, like lowering the spider. And it was, it was great. And the effect was great. But what was more fun were all the dads trying to figure out how it worked. And yeah. like, you know, it must be a sensor. It must be on yeah. a, and oh, it was just awesome. a yeah. line. It was that's just awesome. the most practical thing you could possibly do. And we were dying laughing because it was like, we couldn't even hold it together because they were so convinced that it was like some high tech thing. And I'm like, it's a fishing, <laughs> it's not a fishing pole. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. yeah. Nice dad, dad talk. So, yeah. yeah. So, but thank you so much for taking the time. I always love chatting with you and, and God, I'm so excited about the season. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, thank you. Yeah, I love, I love talking with you anyway. And, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a really good season. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it feels very big. I mean, reinventing the apocalypse is, is a big deal. Yeah. I, I hope everybody really resonates with them on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause it's, it's, it's a big one and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you're doing amazing things. So it's, it's just, it's so much fun to see and so much fun to think of what's coming. Cause it's like, you see two episodes and it's like, if this is as big as this, you know, as big as these episodes are, you can't wait to see what's coming up later. <laughs> it, does, it does keep coming. All right, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go tell everybody that you, that you said great things. Oh, please do. Thank Cause you. I, I yeah, just, I'm thanks. so, and, and honestly, like I, will name names like I, I want to put all the you know I love that everybody get to give shout outs to people so they will all be featured and oh cool yeah thank you yeah, I think I mean, that's important yeah it is I mean it, it's a uh, it's a lot of hard work and they don't a lot of them don't even get to see all the finished episodes you know as we create them you know mm -hmm. and uh, you know I think it's it's a, it's important to feel a little bit of love that you know, that amount of work so I, I'm, gonna, Absolutely. I'm gonna race out of my office and go tell them all all right <laughs> well mikey it's been a pleasure and and um yeah we'll talk soon thanks sarah beth all right thank time. you okay hopefully you enjoyed that at that interview i really had a great time talking with him and um he's such a nice guy and he's so i think what it is about mikey the thing about mikey that i love is his enthusiasm is so genuine and so um inspiring. I mean, this, this is someone who's been with the show since the beginning. He was, you know, he worked on the walking dead before he was, a, um, you know, before he directed, I mean, he was, you know, working cameras and, um, you know, he really grew on the walking dead and, and became someone who was, you know, is such an integral part of the, the walking dead universe. So 
um, you know, having him on fear is just so amazing. And, you know, obviously we know he's behind some of the biggest episodes of the walking dead also. So, um, you know, so his perspective counts a lot and to hear his enthusiasm for this season, uh, it just pumps me up. It gets me so excited because I just know it's going to be a fantastic season. So, um, with that, I just kind of want to tie up the loose ends. There are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really good in, uh, content out there and, and I have to remember to share it because I, I, I'm really bad at, sometimes I get like, I've done interviews. It's been so long since I did the interview that when it comes out, I kind of forget about it because I feel like it's been months and months. So there's a lot of stuff coming out and stuff that is, uh, that's already out. So, um, you can definitely check out my interview uh, this week. It's gonna it, there's an interview already out with Nicholas Cantu from Walking Dead World Beyond. Um, there will be an ep- uh, interview coming out with Andrew and Ian about uh, the season premiere, and there will be some follow up comments from them next week because we also talked about 702, so we'll be talking about that uh, next week. And then I'll also have my interview with Lenny and Karen, and that's coming out after Sunday's episode. So there is a ton of stuff. And I think, um, I think there's more world beyond interviews coming too. Like I said, it's hard to keep track. It is so hard to keep track, but all I know is, is, um, oh my gosh, before I even forget, there's also an interview that I have coming up with Mike Zagari, who is the AMC publishing, uh, vice president. And he handles all of the, um, everything that's going on. He's the man behind the art of the walking dead universe book that's coming out soon. Um, that was delayed a little bit. So if you notice, like you should be, if you were supposed to get it right now, it's probably going to be another couple weeks. Cause I think it's coming out early November now. Um, but the book is gorgeous and Mike and I had a chance to talk about it and, uh, I just love his enthusiasm for this project. So, there is so much to look forward to in the walking dead universe. And I can't wait to go along on the ride with you with it. Um, so thank you. If you've made it this far in the podcast, thank you. As always, uh, please make sure you, uh, you know, leave a, a comment, suggestion, uh, review, love to see all of it. Um, make sure you subscribe and like the podcast just so that we can keep doing this because I, I, I enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it too. Um, if you have any questions or if you want me to talk about things on the podcast, hit me up at Sarah Beth Pollock on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. So as always, I just want to remind you guys to stay safe, wash your hands, and watch out for those walkers. Thanks, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.